Good morning, church. Isn't it good to be here? Hey, I, uh, I, love do, I love doing a dedication like that because it's really special, right? Anything that we do in public, you know, for God and saying, hey, Lord, we choose you, that carries weight. That carries a lot of weight. And that's why we do baptisms, right? Because that's a public testimony. Say, hey, I'm publicly saying in front of everybody here that I'm choosing to follow God. So, so, so keep me to it. And it's the same as what they did this morning. They said, hey, we are going to raise this child in the ways of the Lord. Keep us to it. Yeah. Amen? Isn't that great? Hey, and there's power in it. Jesus said, if you, if, you, uh, um, if, you, if you deny me, I'll deny you in front of the Father. But if you accept me, I'll accept you in front of the Father. And that's what's really special about it. So this morning, I've got a, a, a message that I want to share with you. Um, and the core of it is repentance, really. But, uh, um, but the subtitle, so the title is repentance. The subtitle is worshiping God in your humility and repentance. Isn't that cool? And uh, so this morning, uh, the question comes up to, to, to me, and I want to put that question to you, and I want you to have a think about it, is what is worship? So in, when, you, when you think about worship and you think of what it is, if you, if you have to conjure up a little definition of it, what would you say is worship this morning? And maybe a lot of people would say, well, Will, it's the part where we sing the slow songs. That, that must be worship. Maybe it's when, uh, uh, when I go on my knees in church, that's, that's worship. Uh, what else do you think there might be? Um, I was thinking that... Uh, um, Worship is, uh, a lot of times I've heard some, some pastors say, oh, yeah, worship is when we worship God with our money, when we tithe and we offering, it's worship. And so many people have, an, have their own ideas and thinking about what worship is and, 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 and what it looks like, but I want to bring something to you this morning. I, I agree that it is all of those things. Yes, it is when we sing God, we sing to the Lord, when we, when we get on our knees before Him, absolutely. It absolutely is when we, when we tithe and offering because it's when we're surrendering ourselves. So it definitely is all of those things. Let's read John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. You can jot this down if you want. You can refer to it later. But a time is coming and has now come when, true, when the true worshipers will worship um, the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm reading that, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm talking to God about it, and I said, Lord, how do I worship in spirit and in truth? Is it only by going on my knees and, and singing songs to you? Is that what it looks like? And the Holy Spirit started talking to me yesterday when I was, when I was in my youth and we, we, we were going to and fro and I was praying about it and the Holy Spirit was talking to me about what worship is and what it looks like. He says, well, worship me in your spirit, in spirit. It's, you have to do it in spirit. How do you do that? You remember a while ago I put down the, the picture of the three men symbolizing your body, your soul, and your spirit because we're made in the image of God, so three parts body, soul, and spirit, right? That's how we were made in the image of God. And we know that our body, our flesh, is where everything we can see, touch, and feel here, is pulling out towards our carnal desires, whereas our spirit is the one that's pulling us towards the voice of God. That is also the space where the Holy Spirit resides when He resides in us, right? 
Should have put that picture back on. I didn't think of that. But anyway, so that is how we worship God in spirit, by not choosing the body's way. The body's way, the body is going to say, you need another lolly. You need another one. I know you've had 25. You need another one. You need another one. The body is going to say, when you're drinking beers and you've had two, the body's going to say, I want another. I want another. I want another. And before you know it, you've gone through a whole 24-pack, right? That's the body. The body will never stop. That's its carnal desires. The body is after satisfying its own desires at all cost. That's what addiction is. And if we go deeper into addiction and how it works, how it gets programmed into your mind, the neuropathways that fire, it's it's all really complicated, but that's just the body requesting you to make a decision. And your soul your, stands right there in the middle. You have to choose. Am I going to choose the body? Am I going to give in to the flesh? Or am I going to choose what the Spirit says? So the Spirit, your Spirit will minister through the truth that you know in your heart. So the Spirit is, contains this truth, and it will say, the Bible says you should be sober of mind. Don't take that other beer. Don't get drunk. The Bible says we should be sober of mind. We should not lose our moral values. Don't go that far. Don't push it, Will. Your body is going to say, have another. It's going to be great. We're going to have a good laugh. We're going to tell a bunch of jokes. Come on, have another. And your spirit's going to say, no, stay clear. It's not the right path. It's going to separate you from God. And there's these to and throw and this pull from the spirit and the pull from the flesh. And the strongest wolf will be the one we feed. It's as easy as that. Right. So this is how we worship God in spirit, is by feeding the spirit, feeding it with the truth and making the decisions that leans towards the spirit. So in spite of giving in to my carnal desires and what my body wants, I'm saying, no, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to submit to what my body wants. I'm going to choose the truth. And the truth is what I find here. That's why we come to church. That's why we have connect group. That's why we gather together as a church is so that we can thoroughly understand and indoctrinate our spirits with the truth that Jesus Christ has shown us so that we are able to make the right to choices. Amen. Am I talking to somebody here this morning? Uh, and this is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So now the Holy Spirit is bringing a whole new aspect to worship. He's saying, Will, you worship me by your decisions. So by the decisions that you make, that is how you worship me. Forget about what everybody is talking about and saying they're doing, but what are you actually doing, Will? Are you worshiping me in spirit? So are you making the decisions that leans towards the spirit? Or are you making the decisions that leans towards the flesh? Because the flesh feels good. It feels good to gratify it, right? But the Bible talks about picking up our cross and sacrificing it. That's where the sacrifice part comes in. Time is coming now, and indeed has already come, where the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. Wow, the meaning suddenly changes of that scripture when you read it now. You're like, ooh, there's depth to it now. Worshiping God in spirit is not an easy feat, but it's something that we have to practice with our will. God has given us that will. 
For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. He said, I have given you the ability to choose. Now I leave it up to you to choose. I'm not going to make your decision for you. Sometimes we pray for God and we want Him to make our decisions for us because we, we don't want to make the decision, but He will never make the decision on your behalf. It's something that you have to do. That is how you either accept or deny God in the moment. In Romans 12, verse 1, we read, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren. Just before I go on, uh, I just want to give you an example. So this week, while I was away in Auckland, I was working night shifts the whole week. So I come in in the early morning hours. I have to write up a report. Once I've written up the report, I can't go to sleep straight away, right? Because if I do, I don't maintain the, the night schedule, right? Then I drop off, then I start to drop off, then I'm halfway in the schedule. So any of those who've ever worked shifts, you'll understand what I'm saying. So you have to stay awake a bit so that when you sleep, you can actually sleep during the day. So when you wake up, you're ready for, for your night shift, right? Anyway, so when I'm done there, I'm tired. I don't want to pray. I, 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 I just want to sit there, lay on my bed and flick through an endless Facebook scroll. It's what I want to do. That's what my body yearns for. It's saying, well, I'm tired. I don't want to pray. I don't, I don't want to think. I don't want to sacrifice. I, I, I just want to lay and relax and be like a vegetable and not be thinking about anything. I just want to, for two hours. That's an active example of what you're choosing. And the content that's on your screen, is that feeding you with truth? Is that feeding you with what you need to make the best decisions? No. I rather think that while you are laying there gratifying the flesh, you are also giving the flesh more ammunition and more urges that's going to come up. Romans 12, 1 reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Presenting all your members and your faculties as a living sacrifice. Can you see now how we do that? We sacrifice our bodies by saying no to it. That's a difficult thing to do. But that's a sacrifice, and the Bible calls it a sacrifice. Holy, devoted, and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service and spiritual Worship. Isn't that good? That's how we worship God, in spirit and in truth. Practicing the, the biblical principles that we know. So, uh, um, some people would have known that Nicole and I have gone through a bit of a, a rough patch the last couple of weeks. There's been a lot of stuff happening. We've been moving house. I broke my phone and... Uh, nothing worked when it came back on, and I lost all my passwords. It was absolutely horrible. I had to recover all of it. It was a total mess. And in the midst of it all, my father passed away. So I had to deal with that grief uh, of that as well. And you know, there's no other way of dealing with grief than going through it. You can't go around it. You can't avoid it. You cannot ignore it. You have to go through it. It's the only way. You have to hit it head on and deal with it. You have to cry. You have to let it all out. You cannot bottle it up inside because it's going to come back 
in years to come and it will bite you. You have to, you have to let go through it, right? And I was, whilst everything was going on, we were having all the stress of moving house. We had the stress of our landlord, our previous landlord on our backs about a lot of things. And it was really stressful time and it was difficult to deal with all these things. And in the midst of it all, unfortunately, our previous landlord made a bit of an enemy of herself in our lives. Like, she just became an enemy. And we didn't give her too much reason, really. We didn't give her any reason at all. It just happened out of the blue. And it was a struggle dealing with somebody that was, you know, throwing stuff at you, and there was no, really, no real just foundation for it, you know? If, you, if you've done something to deserve it, you own up to it, and you say, yeah, yeah, that's my fault. I'll own it, and I'll do something about it. But when something's not your fault, it's really difficult. You know, you're like, well, we're being unfairly punished here. But the Bible says, when I asked God and I approached God in prayer, I said, Lord, how do I deal with this landlord? He said, bless your enemies. I'm like, wow, that's difficult, Lord, because she doesn't deserve to be blessed. He says, neither do you. Yeah, okay, yeah, I hear that one, Lord, so okay, well, blessing your enemies, it is, and I, and I spoke with Nicole, and it was really difficult for us to bless our enemy, which in many ways, she has become our enemy, and uh, um, the people that was, was walking a bit closer to us, and they, they know a, a bit more detail, but for the likes of all the fruit trees that I planted there, I didn't take any of those out, I left them all in there for her, and she wanted those. And I know in years to come, she's going to eat of the fruit of that tree and think of me. But blessing, true blessing, blessing that comes from the heart. She's living in the house right now that I'm paying the rent for, right now as well. (laughs) A lot of struggles to it, right? Unjust, unfair. But God, that's God's business. That's dad's business. That's not for you to sort out the unjust and the unfair. That's not for you to sort out and for you to correct. That's God for, for God to correct. He will do that. You have to be faithful and just to what the Word says. And the Word says, bless your enemies. And we've done it. And we're free because of it. Is it a struggle? Yes, it is. Is it a choice? Yes, it is. I must sacrifice my body. But God is good. Luke 6 says, Luke 6, 27, if you want to know where this little love your enemy is. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Wow, it's a big ask. If someone slaps you on the one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. (laughs) And we practice that, and we're free because of it today. Yes, there's still some struggle in our minds and our thoughts. That was really unfair. But I trust that God is the righteous judge. He's going to sort it out. And whatever I have lost, He's going to give back to me tenfold. That's the way it works. Because God, you cannot... You cannot outgive God. He's going to supply to you all you need. Everything that's been stolen and taken, right, is going to be given back by God. I, I don't need to get it back myself. You see, because as soon as you start to step into the space of where I'm going to get it back, God steps back and he says, well, it's your, you, you, you want to get onto that? You, you, you go do it. But I'm, I'm standing back. 
But as soon as you say, no, Lord, this is your, your business. I'm giving this to you. God steps forward and he deals with it. And he does so in a miraculous way. Are you getting something this morning? Is there something in here that's speaking to you this morning? Clarity on worship and, and, and just stuff that I've been walking the last couple of weeks is what I'm talking about. And then God, the Holy Spirit took me to the woman with the alabaster box in Luke 7. Let's read about that. When one of the Pharisees, Luke 7 verse 36, sorry, if you're writing it down. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and she kissed them and she poured perfume on them. Now when the Pharisee which had been, uh, um, which had bidden him, uh, Jesus saw it, he said to himself, so in his mind I suppose, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of a woman this is that touched him. She is a sinner. So this woman, she, she, she finds out that we don't know much about this woman. We, the Bible, unfortunately, does not even give us a name. But we know that she knows that Jesus is reclining at this Pharisee's house. And she musters up a lot of courage because she was being judged by that guy. We could see that the Pharisee was an act of open judgment because of the life that she was living, right? And she mustered up courage. She took her alabaster jar and she headed to go where Jesus is. She was going to face the judgment. She was going to go into this guy's house. This guy, if, if, if Jesus was not there, he would probably would have chased her right out. Like she's going into a hostile environment and she's going to get Jesus, right? And the Pharisee is a religious man, and that's just what religion is, right? It's, it's a structured robustness that stands against the truth in the, and, and, uh, that we read about in the Bible. It's rules that man, man-made rules that brings judgment and not grace. She heads into that area, and she drops a sinful woman and she's dropping at Jesus' feet. And she, she wets his feet with her tears. She is in active repentance for her life that she has led up to that point. She is weeping. She is dripping. The tears are, in, they are flowing enough so to wet the feet of the master. She is saying, man, I am in open and active repentance. I am on my knees. I know that the life I've led up to this very turning moment has not been the ideal life. It is not aligned with the truth that Jesus came to show us. And I am there to repent of it on my knees, wetting your feet in tears, Lord. 
And this is the repentance part, the core of the message that's coming out. That's saying, when we are not actively worshiping God in spirit and in truth, we should come to a point of repentance, true repentance. Reflect on your life. Reflect on the way you live it. Reflect on whether you're actively servicing, uh, uh, choosing flesh or choosing the spirit. And repent and say, Lord, I am on my knees, wetting your feet with my tears. And she does so in humility as well. Not only does she repent by the tears flowing, but she wipes his feet with her hair, showing the utmost of humility. It's showing God I'm laid bare for you. I'm willing to take the dirt that's on your feet on my hair. I will wear it right here, proudfully so. That is humility. God said, if my people, which are called by thy name, will humble themselves. We've got to be humble. If you're not humble, that's not true repentance. Repenting with pride in your heart is only words. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. Man, that's a promise right there. God says, I will hear you. After she has repented, and after she has humbled herself at the feet of Jesus, she anoints his feet with this perfume. This is her worship. She pours it out. She says to God, I'm choosing the Spirit, Lord. I have gratified the flesh up to this point, but from now henceforward, I'm choosing the Spirit. And it has such a wonderful sense to it. It has such a wonderful smell. That perfume filled the house for everybody to smell. And the religious Pharisee was sitting there as well, smelling this wonderful perfume that Jesus' feet is being anointed by. Is this powerful this morning? She honors Jesus with the perfume. She repents, she humbles herself, and she honors Jesus. This morning, I want to encourage you to do just that. It's as easy as saying, Hey, your Lord, you know, I haven't been doing things right. Even this week, I had to do it. And I stuck in my endless Facebook scroll, feeding the body with all sorts of rubbish and not getting into this thing. I had to get on my knees and say, Father God, I'm sorry. I could have really utilized this time better. Maybe you have some other stuff going on in your life. Maybe you have other stuff that you struggle with. Maybe there's areas in your life where you are continually gratifying the desires of your body. And it's as easy as just saying, hey, Lord, you know what? I know that I'm feeding the wrong side here. I'm not giving into the spirit, but I'm feeding the flesh. But, Lord, I want to turn that around. And the only way is on your knees and saying, Father God, I come on my knees in true repentance. Father God, I'm really sorry for choosing the wrong way. Jesus, my wish is not to disappoint you. 
I do not want to live a life that is unjust. I do not want to live a life that is, that is not aligned with your word, Father God. And I come on my knees and I repent, Lord. Sorry, God. Help me choose the right way, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Empower my will. Empower my decisions, Lord, in Jesus' name. And right then you are forgiven and you can move on. And you can say, hey, I can now choose the right way. Does it mean you will not fumble? No, it does not. We're going to fumble over and over. We're going to make mistakes over and over. But we have access to Jesus at all times. And that's why we fill ourselves with the word. So that we know that the grace is there. If we fumble, we come back to him. And we change our way. And we help. We we are actively participating in the potter's hand forming us. Because that's what he's doing. It's a forming. He's forming us, right? Making us into, into what he wants us to be. One of my dreams and one of my visions that I have in my personal life is to be a dad that the boys can follow. That they can say, man, you want to go to heaven? You ought to live like my dad. That's what I want them to say. That's what I want them to see. It must be as easy as, boys, if you want to know what to do, look at me. If you're unsure of how to do, what to do in a situation, look at me. That's, how, that's my wish, how I want to live. Because that's exactly what Jesus is saying. If you're unsure, look at me. If you don't know what to do, look at me. And as the head of, our, of my home, I look at Jesus and they should look at me. And they should see no difference between the Jesus in the Bible and the man that stands before them. They should know without a doubt that that religion is not a religion. It's more than that. It's a relationship because, man, my dad's not false. There's depth to it. Amen? Amen. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you are here. Father God, I pray for each and every heart in this room. Father God, that, 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 that sitting in this space of where they have to choose actively between the sides and they're being pulled, Lord, from side, from two to throw. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you empower them. We know that you say in your word that you'll never send any temptation that will overpower us, Lord, that, you'll, that you won't allow this, that everything that comes across our path, Lord, is with well within the realm of our control, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, Father. God, I pray that those that struggle with, 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 with basic stuff, with sin, Father God, I pray that, you, that they'll do what your word teach and run from it, Lord. That's what your word teach, Lord. And I say thank you, Father God, that you are in control, that you are here this morning. You are so amazing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.